Well, when we are thinking through themes and uh, teaching uh, series, we, we actually start uh, well in advance. The series we're going through right now is a series called Conversations with Jesus. We started talking about this back in 2019. In fact, the passage that we're going to look at was a passage that we decided on in 2019. And I was uh, asking the staff, I said, okay, today's text is going to deal with hoarding and worry. Do you think I should keep it or should I change to something that would, might be more relevant to today? And I think we were pretty uh, thoughtful that uh, this is absolutely relevant to what we're dealing with today. Uh, you and I are in a, a fascinating cultural moment, aren't we? And it's moving so, super fast. Uh, Wednesday, I was sitting with my sister-in-law and she's a professional event planner. And I was asking her about her business and how this was affecting her business. And she was talking about different events that were being canceled and, and different things. And she asked me about the church. And I said, you know, I, I've heard of some churches in different parts of the country and, and world where they've had to uh, not assemble. But I, I think we're a few... Uh, months away from having to deal with that. Uh, actually, it was not more than six hours later that we found out that uh, this was the recommendation that we would not assemble and that we'd find uh, other ways to be able to do this. Uh, but, but I think one of the neat things that's happening for us in this moment is we are having a moment where we are learning a little bit about what it means to be the church. See, the church is uh, the people of God. It is the followers of, of God. It is the, the, the called out ones. It is not, as we might think here at Beach Point, uh, 17415 Magnolia Street. That's not the church. That's the church buildings. Uh, it is not the program that takes place on Wednesday or Sunday morning. Those are church services. Uh, the church is the people of God and we are going to continue to be the church. And I think one of the things that is exciting in this moment is we are really discovering that. We're discovering what it means to be church and to live as the church. And so uh, this morning we're going to look at a passage. We're going to enter into a conversation that I think is so relevant for today. Uh, but to, to really understand what Jesus is getting at, I, I, I want us to explore a big idea together. And so uh, what we're going to see is that there's a big idea in the text that we're going to look at. Uh, and, and it's this, that Jesus invites us to invest in eternal things. Now, Jesus invites us to invest in eternal things. Uh, we've been walking through the book of Luke, and as we're moving towards Easter, we're, we're watching Jesus' journey to the cross and to, to what we ultimately know, uh, the resurrection. Uh, but as we're entering into these, these dynamic conversations that Jesus is having with the crowds and with his followers, we are trying to enter into those conversations ourselves. We are trying to imagine what it would be like to be in that first century crowd, to hear those words and try to uh, put our heads around it and try to understand what is Jesus trying to help us understand about what it means to be his follower. And so this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Uh, Luke 12, this is where we are, and we know this, that Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, which we know means he's making his way to the cross. And, and as what we're going to find is that Jesus gets uh, drawn into a conversation, actually a dispute. And Jesus is going to respond to that uh, dispute, but then he's going to turn that opportunity into a conversation to teach us, uh, uh, teach the people in that moment uh, about their moment and about the things that were going on and things in their heart. But you and I are going to discover there's something very important about what it means for us to follow him. There's something very important about our moment as well. And so Luke chapter 12 is what we want to be looking at together. And I want you to, to jump in with me at verse 13. Verse 13 says this, that someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Uh, in this, uh, let's pause it for a moment because uh, just try to understand, it, try to understand that moment, uh, this dispute, asking someone like Jesus, a trusted rabbi, uh, this was a common practice uh, in this time as the Jewish people were uh, occupied by Rome, they didn't really want a uh, non-Jewish person, a Gentile, to decide over matters that were important to them. And so uh, what they would do is they would go to a trusted teacher, someone they thought who understood their faith, who understood the Mosaic law, and they'd say, how would you rule on this? What do you think the, uh, God's law says about this situation? Now notice what Jesus says. He's, he doesn't want to get involved with this. This actually would have been pretty clear as for what the Mosaic law had to say. But Jesus wants to get not at the technicality of the decision, but the, to the heart that's behind it. And there's a couple warnings that we see in this. Uh, uh, and it, it, here's the first point that I want us to see is that we have to learn to see be, uh, beyond ourselves. We have to see beyond ourselves. And if you look at this first warning, you're going to see that Jesus is trying to draw our attention first to all kinds of greed. If you have your Bible open, you might want to circle those words, all kinds of greed. Now, Jesus certainly could have simply said, uh, be alert, be on guard against greed. But notice the, the, the way that he's broadening it. All kinds of greed. There's all kinds of impulses that can take over our heart. And Jesus says, you need, to, you need to guard your heart. You need to be vigilant about this. Notice he says, be watchful, be vigilant. Uh, it was interesting as I was beginning to think of this, uh, I realized that from a very early age that, that uh, this is something that, that I've had to watch. It was, it's kind of natural in all of us, isn't it? I, I can remember when I was in kindergarten, we had... Uh, a toy that the student of the week would get to take home. It was actually a, a puppet. It was a blue whale puppet, this plastic puppet named Whopper. And uh, if you were the student of the week, you got to take Whopper home and you got to take him home for the weekend and it was kind of this big deal. Everybody wanted to take Whopper home. Well, we got to the end of uh, the year and as we were sitting in this place, uh, uh, we were sitting there and our teacher said this. She said, uh, we're going to give away Whopper to one of you kids and we want one of you to take him home and enjoy him forever. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just the sentimental part of who I was, but I was like, no, never. Whopper must stay and, and kids of future generations must enjoy Whopper. I, I don't know. You can ask your kids what was the toy they took home at, in kindergarten, first grade, whatever it was early. They might remember it as well. And, and if they had the same kind of uh, grab to that, uh, the same kind of attachment to that, toy. But, but I had this strong conviction. No one should ever take home Whopper. He should be for all the kids of all ages and all the years to come to take home. I was outvoted 23 to 2. And so we decided I, everybody wanted to take, uh, be the one to win him. And so when it got to that moment, they, she pulled out a name out of the hat. And of course, whose name did she pull out? Billy Stafiri. You get to take Whopper home forever. And I kid you not, I ran to her. I embraced Whopper with this sense that he is mine. I gave the evil look to every other kid that was sitting around that circle to let them know he is mine and he will never be yours. Uh, all kinds of greed. Uh, that, that began to resonate in my heart from a very, very early age. And I think you and I know there are all kinds of ways Jesus is warning us. There are things that want to get a 
a hold of our heart, uh, forms a greed that we have to be dig- uh, vigilant about. And then notice he says this, he says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Uh, it's interesting if you think about America, uh, we, we love our stuff, don't we? Uh, we are protecting our stuff and we are trying to get our stuff. I've seen different uh, postings of those of you who are making sure, I don't know why you're doing this. You're letting everyone know you have all the toilet paper. Uh, but notice one of the things that, that's going on right now. Jesus says, uh, be careful. Uh, did you know this, that, that the storage industry in America is a $39 billion industry? That there are 60,000 facilities across the nation, that there's 1.7 billion square feet given just to storing our stuff, just to allowing us to keep the stuff that we don't even use, the stuff that we just think maybe we might want to use. We have this attachment. We have this desire to have an abundance of possessions. We know this is true of us, isn't it? I have an entire attic filled with things that I maybe will touch once a year. Most of the stuff, 75% of it, never, but it's there just in case. And Jesus says, watch, watch that heart, um, that heart that wants to kind of hoard and hold on to everything. And so what Jesus does that's so interesting is he gives, uh, there's a moment here, he wants to double down. He wants to emphasize his point by telling a story. And so he begins to tell a parable. Verse 16, it says this. As he told them, uh, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, uh, what we've tried to do is kind of think about this. How do I enter into this story? And so if you are a first century Jew sitting listening to this story, something has struck you by this story. God has blessed this man. He has uh, rich soil. He has an abundant harvest. These are things that he is not capable in and of himself. This is something that they would look at and said, this man is blessed by God. But Jesus points out two things about this man that we need to take note of. The first thing that we note is this, is that Jesus says that he ignored God. That he ignored God. That while God might be the hero of the story, this man ignored God. You see this in the way that Jesus amplifies the point that this is a man that was not rich towards God. But you notice a, a second thing that he's trying to help us see is that he also ignored his neighbor. Uh, if you were sitting there in that first century and you were listening to this, you would understand something that there was a, uh, the law, the, the Mosaic law uh, uh, regulated this, that if you were to have a harvest, you were to take what was uh, yours and, and yet leave the, the sides, leave the corners of the fields for the, the poor and the needy to glean. You were to consider your neighbor, you were to consider this abundant harvest, this blessing from God, not just for you, but for the community as well. And Jesus is pointing out that this man has done two things. He's ignored God and he's ignored his neighbor. Now, if we've been following Jesus, we know uh, if there's anything important to Jesus, uh, he has been very clear. 
the most important thing is that we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, this man has ignored God, he has ignored his neighbor, and yet to be a follower of Jesus means you love God above all things, that you love your neighbor like you love yourself. Uh, we, we saw this uh, play out a little bit uh, recently. Uh, some of you have been, uh, you've done the same thing. You've had to uh, try to endure the lines at Costco or Sam's Club or the grocery store. Well, my wife went to Sam's Club recently, and it was interesting. Uh, Sam's Club, I don't know if you know, Sam's Club has an app. And it's called, uh, they've got a feature on their Sam's Club app called Scan and Go. And the great thing about this is you can go into Sam's Club, you can scan uh, any of your groceries, you can actually pay for it on your phone, and you can bypass those lines that are going all the way back uh, to the back freezers there. And so my wife, she she, uh, picked out the thing, she did the scan and go, she was trying to maneuver pass and out the store but as she was doing that she had to come uh, alongside a a very long line she said excuse me she got the kind of evil look the kind of uh, gargoyle uh, uh, threat to her to uh, to go back in line and so she explained that she had the scan and go she was just trying to maneuver out now one of the things that's interesting if you think about this is some of you have the scan and go feature right and you're thinking to yourself Pastor Bill, why are you telling everyone about the scan and go feature? If everybody knows about the scan and go feature, then everyone will use it. And my, my moment of having an advantage over everybody else, uh, I have now lost. And so uh, if that's in your heart, if you're feeling that a little bit, where you feel like, oh, wow, I've lost my advantage, I want to encourage you, uh, hey, don't we see this? We see the same thing in our heart that we have all kinds of greed that want to take over. Uh, but the challenge, of course, we see in the passage is that we, uh, we love God and we love our neighbor. And let me ask you in these next couple weeks uh, to be thinking about the different things you find yourself called to do or find yourself facing. Ask yourself this before you act. Uh, is, this action, is this action going to remember God And remember my neighbor? Or am I choosing right now to ignore God and to ignore my neighbor? Uh, Jesus uh, does something also interesting in this passage, doesn't he? He he, uh, wants us to see beyond ourselves, but the second thing he wants us to see is to see beyond this world. To see beyond this world, to see beyond this moment, and every decision this man makes is very present. It's all about the moment. It's all about right now. Notice he's not condemning wealth, but he's condemning him how he is using it. He has been blessed, but he's chose to make it all about himself and in that moment. His goal is self-preservation for pleasure. Uh, He is thinking only about himself and not about others. And Jesus says something. He will be held accountable. He will be held accountable and so part of the thing that we start to see as Jesus continues to teach is he wants us to see that we, we need to be able to think beyond this life and beyond this moment. We need to be able to see that our lives are about something bigger uh, than this moment. And so there's a shift that begins to go. It says that Jesus now turns to his disciples and the shift becomes about worry. It becomes about worry. Notice what he says next. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, Do not worry. Do not worry about your life or what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. 
For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you can do this, cannot do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? Uh, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do, not let your, uh, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things and your father knows that you need them. Uh, See, you and I think in moments like this, it is up to us. And and Jesus tells this story to amplify his point once again about worry. Uh, He uses two examples and and they're fascinating examples because uh, the first example is the example of ravens. Uh, Ravens were unclean birds. And so Jesus is saying, look, consider even ravens. Ravens are unclean birds, and yet your heavenly father cares for them. And his point is, how much more will he care for you? Uh, Consider the flowers of the field, these grasses that would come up in the rain. There would be this vibrant, beautiful purple uh, that would uh, take over the hillside. But they were fleeting. It wouldn't last very long. And since there was not a lot of wood in in that area, uh, the grasses were used for fire. And he's saying, think of these grasses. They, They bloom so quick. These wild flowers that you see it, they're beautiful. And then you rip them out and use them. They're thrown into the fire. How much more will your father care for you? Uh, three times uh, the, the command is given not to worry. He says, do not worry. Uh, and, and one of the ways that he is saying this is there's this feeling that comes when we feel the sense of suspense. Some of you, uh, you're going to be watching a lot of Netflix uh, and other uh, streaming services, right? These, these next couple weeks. I want to encourage you, you're going to be watching something suspenseful. And you're going to feel it in your body, right? Like don't go in there, or don't do this, or whatever it feels that you feel this apprehension. You'll actually feel it in your body. And when you feel that, I want you to think back to this passage. This is the exact same thing that Luke is writing about and Jesus is speaking about. He's saying there's this uh, sense that comes over you. How do I handle this moment? I can't, I'm, I'm unsure of this moment and I feel it in myself. And Jesus says, when you feel that, just be reminded that your heavenly father has you. He has you. You don't have to be afraid. And so I want to give us two things to practice this week. Uh, two things. Here's the first one. Uh, rest. Rest in your heavenly Father's care. This is one of the things that Jesus is pointing out, that we are to rest in his care. Uh, he, he is a good Father, that he is a generous Father. You know, last week you can uh, watch and listen to Pastor Justin's message on prayer. And one of the things that he brought out uh, that Jesus reminds us is that when we pray, we pray to a a good father who when we ask for things gives us good things right things he is a good father and we can trust him and this is notice this is what Jesus is getting about and and notice what he's also saying he's reminding us that stress and anxiety and worry are not going to help us 
You and I know this, uh, actually, that uh, stress and anxiety and worry are, uh, are very detrimental to our health. This is one of those seasons when, in which we are trying to be extra cautious about our immune systems. We're trying to be extra cautious about our health. Uh, we know that many uh, uh, health issues begin with uh, compromised immune systems that come from stress and worry. And so we want to encourage you. Jesus is saying, look, stress, worry, anxiety, these things are not going to help. Rest in your Father's care. Rest in your Heavenly Father's care. Uh, he's using two examples from creation, and we know this about creation, that creation was described as good. It's good, it's good, it's good, 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 good. And then he comes to us and he says, and it, we are very good. We are very good. We are the crown of his creation. How much more will he care for us? Uh, but notice then what he is saying. Uh, he gives us a challenge then in these last verses. He says in, in verse 31, seek first his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice what he's telling us. If you can trust him. If you can trust his care for you. It will, it will position your heart. It'll position your life to seek the things that matter to him. It'll seek the things that, that are eternal, that are heavenly, that, that, that are treasured by God. And so here's the last thing I want to challenge us with. I, I want to challenge you to look, look in this season to make an eternal difference. Look in this season to make an eternal difference. I, I think one of the things that is so apparent to me is that uh, Jesus says this, that when we trust in him, we are now released to do the things of God. I, I imagine what it, it must take to have the confidence that you can sell your possessions, you can sell your, out of your abundance, you can give away, you can trust the abundance to, for, to, to bless other people that comes with a place of, of trusting in your heavenly father, that position. Now you can be about the agenda. You can lean into the agenda of God when we trust him. The disciples had given up everything. And he's saying, you don't have to worry. Continue to seek God's kingdom. And, and the, the things that he will draw you into and drive you towards, those are the things that are eternal and matter and last, truly last. I, I want to tell you, I want to invite the band up and we're going to close with a final song. But I, I think one of the neat things that I'm seeing right now is it is very apparent to me that God is on the move. God is, God is moving in our midst here at Beach Point. Uh, I, I see it in some, some fascinating ways. Uh, Thursday morning, we began to pray. We spent the morning praying and, and moving and kind of thinking about what's next. But it was so apparent how God was with us in this. And even as we began to announce, hey, for the next few weeks or, or until we know further, uh, our groups are not going to meet. We're not going to meet in these in large group settings. We're a, we're a very large church uh, or a large church at least. And, and we know that we could put some people in compromising positions. We felt this was the best thing to do. 
But I love one of the things was our middle school kids began to kind of figure out on their own how they could uh, create uh, more opportunity. They, they were trying to figure out their own offline meeting. They were trying to figure out how they could get together. And, and, you know, it says something so great about how God is moving in your church. When your middle school kids are saying, we want to go to church. We want to be a part of the church. We want to meet together. We, when you have that going on, you just sense God's spirit is moving. Uh, but so many of you have been reaching out through text or email or, or somehow uh, talking to one of our staff men members and saying, how can I help? And some of you have been offering and I want to encourage you. You've been saying, how can I, could I go uh, get groceries from some, for someone in our church maybe who feels a little nervous about that? Uh, others of you, maybe you're going to have to pay attention to a neighbor on your street who maybe doesn't know how to navigate this moment as well. Uh, others of you may look for ways to be generous with what you've been able to get and provide for our church food pantry. Uh, I'll put a, a quick slide up here of some of uh, the goods that we're hoping to have. And, and we want to be available for some of the people in our community, maybe who don't have the, the resources or means. Uh, usually we find uh, almost every day someone comes into our church that we're able to help uh, with food and necessities. Uh, but I think even the fact that uh, many of you will give uh, both uh, to the church to help us figure out how to navigate this moment and to this benevolent fund that we can help families. All of these are just signs to me that says to you, you want to be the church. You feel God's presence. You feel the hope of him. And you want people, the people who don't know God, to see that there's something different about us who do. And so I'm going to pray for us. Uh, and then we're going to sing a final song together. Uh, but let's think about how we can make an eternal difference during this season. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would uh, uh, strengthen our confidence in you. Use these words of Jesus to uh, build in us once again a confidence that you are with us, you are for us, and you will guide us through this moment. And so lead us uh, to have discernment, to know how to care uh, for our neighbors, uh, for the people in our community, uh, how to let you shine through us. May we be salt and light in this community. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing and worship one final song together.